Popcorn Heist is an interactive community of pop culture lovers that spans multiple mediums. We dive deep into TV shows and movies of the past, present, and future to bring you the hottest takes and the coldest truths. Do you have what it takes? Join the heist. Hey everyone, welcome back to Popcorn Heist the Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Jake. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back, back for another Marvel episode, one of our faves. One of our faves, yeah. And it's kind of the end of summer movies, if you want to oh, think about yes. it that way. Yes, Labor Day is here, end of summer movies. Labor Day. We're very excited for summer movie time. We got to the movies together twice, um, ate more popcorn than you can imagine. So, <laughs> and it's only fitting that both of those times were Marvel movies. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, it wasn't at. So the it's Al- nice to be back in theaters. Yeah, it wasn't at the Alpine, but we'll have to save that for no. Spider-Man: yes. No Way Home. <laughs> uh, the Alpine is this uh, theater that Nick and I have seen almost every Spider-Man movie together, and it has the best popcorn known to man. It's in my neighborhood of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and best popcorn ever should be made a landmark honestly <laughs> popcorn heist landmark yes <laughs> but um yeah i feel like it's been a while since we recorded but we've seen each other like so much like the past <laughs> month and yeah that's past, true <laughs> feels like feels like a long time since i've seen you but it really hasn't been a long time since i've seen you um yeah what what are you, have you been watching anything new lately besides yes Marvel? i actually finally aside from marvel aside from what if and shang chi um, I actually, this is the first time I've been to binge a show in a while. I, I like just haven't had the time to like sit down and binge a show with hour long episodes that isn't like a Marvel or Star Wars show. And I've been watching Ozark for the first time. Really? It's like one of those shows I've been meaning to get to for so long. And it's like, like I said, I've been watching a lot of like Marvel, Star Wars, nerdy stuff. Uh, it's nice to get back to like a drama show mm-hmm. that's a little bit, that's like more realistic fiction. Um, it's just something I haven't done in kind of a while. It gives me Breaking Bad vibes. And I, I got through the first season really quick. My my roommate was actually watching it. And I, I it was one of those shows, I like I said, I've been meaning to get to for a while. And I was like, if he keeps watching it, I'm going to get the whole, show, the whole show spoiled for me. So I have to just like catch up to him. So I've been watching it. I just finished the first season yesterday. And I've been loving it so far. Really? That's good to yeah, know. It, it, it's giving me Breaking Bad vibes. It's only one season, so I can't say I like it more or less yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Breaking Bad, so I think it's going to be hard to surpass that. But I feel like I like every character in the show, even the ones. No one has that many redeeming qualities. Everyone's like kind of kind of sucks, but I also love all of them. It's it's hard to explain. <laughs> That's why I'm hesitant to start it because I'm like I've seen Breaking Bad. I'd rather just rewatch Breaking Bad and do Better Call Saul. But I've heard Ozark is really really good. So Ozark's really good. It's a, it's a little different. It's like it's more of the money laundering part of it than the drug part of it. So gotcha. So gotcha. it's it's pretty cool. I like Jason Bateman a lot. I think he's a great yeah. actor. Yeah, so. yeah. It is hard to not view him as um, Michael Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Does he equally suck as uh, Michael Bluth and and this character? Um, he kind of sucks. He kind of sucks. Not his acting. He's a great actor. Uh, he kind of sucks, but I feel like he's very smart in the show. He's like, he's smart, but he also gets himself in like really bad situations at times, but he always gets himself out. So I kind of like that. Got you. Got you. Yeah. No, I've been watching. Um, well, aside from what if, uh, the new Marvel animated show, which just had a new episode today. Pretty interesting. I've been watching that. 
Um, and I've been watching Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've heard of it before. I've heard of it. Yeah, I have. It's actually like amazing. It's so good. I'm addicted to it. It's on the second season. Um, it's uh, Jason Sudeikis from SNL and from Where the Millers and uh, the campaign. Every- Isn't he like a coach? Yeah, well, he's like this very happy-go-lucky, like ultra-positive, like Southern guy, like with a typical twangy, like Southern accent, and he gets hired to coach a top-tier uh, football club in England. Football, they call it football, but it's that was a really <laughs> bad British accent trying to say football. But yeah, he gets hired to do that basically to sort of tank the team because the owner of the team hates her ex-husband, and it's his team. So she fired him and wants him to tank the team, but then she ends up like really loving him because it's hard not to fall in love with him and not like in a relationship way, but he's like super positive and funny and charismatic that he brings the whole team together. And it's really a great sports show because it's about football and soccer, but it's really not at the same time. It's more like the relationships and the uh, emotional stuff that surrounds the sport. So it's not like just a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a, it's a dramedy. I would say dramedy. Okay. I like yeah. that. I like a good dramedy. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And you'll like fly through it. The episodes are short, but okay. uh, I dig. I need a, a short episode show aside from like what's coming out from Marvel. I, I highly it. recommend, highly recommend. Okay. It. Interesting. And, yeah. And I'm rewatching game of Thrones with my girlfriend, uh, getting close to the, the shitty seasons. So <laughs> <laughs> oh God, for a different podcast. Yeah. Waiting to see what she thinks because it's her first time around. And I'm just like kind of like rewatching. This is only my second time rewatching. So I'm catching so many more things that they were hinting. Like this is going to be super quick because we could do a whole episode on this. But like some of the things that me, you and I like and a lot of other people hated about the last season, they you catch little references of dialogue and points of dialogue where they kind of hint at what's coming. And I'm like, oh, now I see where they took that from. Where when I first watched it, when it came out, I was like, that came out of nowhere. That sucks. I think most of it came out of nowhere, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we can go into that in another episode, but we digress. We're here to talk about Shang-Chi legend of the 10 rings, uh, super exciting movie. And before we get into that, I wanted to mention for those of you who are joining us for the first time, that popcorn heist is a brand created by Nick and I to share movie and TV content created by diehard fans. Cause we like to consider ourselves diehard fans, diehard nerds. Uh, but Popcorn Heist, the podcast, is a show where we can nerd out about specific franchises we love, such as Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Avatar, and for this episode, Marvel, um, all from our unique point of view. And we release the new episodes every Thursday. So if you like an episode you listen to, please give us a follow and review on iTunes. Uh, but we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention the other podcast on our network called A Simps Guide to the MCU where the relationships, romances, bromances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are discussed with Alyssa and Kelly, our good friends who we actually saw Shang-Chi with. Yes, we would be very remiss if we didn't mention them this time around. Yes, it was the first Popcorn Heist Network outing altogether. Yes. Uh, And if you want more pop culture content, such as blog posts, rankings, brackets, and Tuesday trivia hosted by our good friend Tommy on the Popcorn Heist team, then you can visit us at popcornheist.com or follow us on Instagram at popcornheist. That being said, let's talk about Shang-Chi. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but we went we went out right after the movie, so we only talked about it a little. And some of our conversations were actually like 
on a blaring dance floor. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly some some of the best conversations you and I have had about. Movies. We should have just recorded the podcast it. from the blaring dance floor at the we, bar after Shang Chi. Literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into that, Nick, I think it's time for the quote of the episode. And this is a good one. This-, this is a good one. Actually, this is one I turned to Jake and I said that was a really good quote uh, in the movie. Uh, it does remind me of another quote that I'm sure many of you are familiar with um, from Dash Wayne Gretzky, Dash Michael Scott. Um, the quote from Shang-Chi is uh, said to the character of Katie, who is Shang-Chi's best friend. And it's when she's learning to shoot a bone arrow. For the first time and the quote is if you aim at nothing you hit nothing which as i mentioned is very similar to you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take but a little bit different and i felt like this kind of made sense in the movie um i feel like katie both katie and chang chi's journey was very like we don't really have a path in life especially katie's i feel like shang chi like he had a path that he was trying to avoid, but Katie like kind of didn't know where her life was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like it, it really hit home that it was said to that character. And um, I just, I love this quote. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I noticed it too, but you like actually you were like, Ooh, that's a great quote. Like in the middle of the movie, I was like, yeah. Yeah. That was a good quote. I mean, you, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. You got to aim at something. Jake and I aim at popcorn heist, <laughs> our network, the podcast, our social media platform. So, um, you got to shoot your shot mm-hmm. for sure. But like, what, what was the context there? Like, I know she was learning to use a bow and arrow, but did she like say something like, cause she was good at it Im- immediately. Like she, she found out she was a good archer, but was it like that she didn't want to, I think she was like hesitant to train. I forget the exact context. Cause I feel like there was multiple moments where like at first she didn't shoot it at all. Or, or I guess he, he might've passed her the bow and she was like, Oh no, no. And he was like, it, you have to, but at one point he was like reluctant to give her it back. So I forget which exact moment in the movie it was. I've only seen the movie once so far planning a second one already, but I don't, I don't remember the exact, I think it was that she was hesitant to grab the bow and he was like, no, maybe I don't really remember, but nonetheless, great quote. And I actually like, didn't really think about it that way. The way you were just saying that it kind of connects to how Katie like was moving through life. Like, you know, didn't want to, get moving her parents are like oh come on you got to get a job you got to have some direction and same for shang chi he was kind of avoiding his whole destiny pretty much to confront yeah so i think it hit home yeah i think it get hit home in real life too which sometimes for these quotes of the episodes i feel like it's important to choose something that hits home personally and in the real world as well so i feel like that that's a good one as many for every five ridiculous quotes that we have you have one meaningful one (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah um I think that before we get into what we thought of the movie, though, Shang-Chi, I mean, in the comics and in the movies, has a lot of history that, like, goes back into the previous parts of the MCU that we should probably just touch on a little bit. Um, I mean, if you've seen all the Marvel movies before, then the Ten Rings might catch your ear, catch your eye a little bit. If you're a comic fan, you definitely know about Shang-Chi, you know about the Ten Rings. But the actual first appearance of the Ten Rings is really what started the MCU in Iron Man 1. They're the terrorist organization that captures Tony Stark and forces him to build weapons and forces him to become Iron Man, which we really, after that movie, you kind of didn't see them for a while. You saw like some Hydra people with the 10 rings tattoo, which also I kind of want to get a 10 rings tattoo, but that's where <laughs> I'm not going to get 10 rings tattoo. <laughs> I feel like it'd be so cool. Um, but anyway, uh, it comes back around in Iron Man 3 where 
the infamous uh, twist that Marvel put in was that Iron Man's arch nemesis, the Mandarin, in fact, was just not real. Um, He's just an actor playing a terrorist, and it's uh, Aldrich Killian's organization, AIM, who had developed the extremist virus that was just behind everything, and he was calling himself the Mandarin, which... Maybe if you weren't a comic book fan, you might not have cared about it at the time, but people who knew the comics were outraged because that's like taking the Joker and being like, oh, I'm not really the Joker. I'm just an actor. You know, the Joker is to Batman as the Mandarin is to Iron Man. So people were a little upset about it. What did you think when you first saw Iron Man 3? So I wasn't familiar with the comics. I'm, I'm not sure if we watched Iron Man 3 for, the fir- for my first time together. I forget. But I remember we had this conversation. You were like, oh, people were pissed about that. I really didn't like that. And I was like, I kind of didn't care because I wasn't a comic book fan. So I wasn't like as familiar with the Mandarin. So I didn't care. But then like once I kind of heard that the Mandarin might come back at first. I was like, Oh, we'll see. Like, we'll see what happens down the road. They like to set a bunch of things up. Um, but then as like Shang-Chi was announced and I knew the Mandarin was going to be in it, I got more and more excited because I, I heard, I had heard about how great the Mandarin, the villain was. So I feel like as Shang-Chi was, was coming, I was kind of getting hyped for him. I got, I, I was very, very hyped to, to see the real Mandarin this time, because after that whole debacle happened, um, Kevin Feige and the Marvel team were kind of like, Oh, like, Maybe the real Mandarin's out there. And in phase one and phase two of the Marvel movies, they used to come out with these uh, short films called one shots that are like maybe eight to 10 minutes long uh, that kind of just tell stories that are either just for funny purposes or they actually connect. And they came out with a story called All Hail the King, which is on Disney Plus right now. And it shows Trevor Slattery, Sir Ben Kingsley, who plays the fake Mandarin, the actor posing as the Mandarin in jail um as some as like a documentary crew is uh filming him and it turns out the guy is a member of the 10 rings breaks him out of prison and says you stole you you may you may have angered some people with what you've done i don't think you realize the gravity of what you've done i'm gonna take you to meet the real mandarin he wants his name back and it cuts to black so that was what 2014 must have been so i believe iron man 3 came out in like 20. 20- 14 I, I think right i think that was 2013 and then all hail the king was okay so eight seven eight years seven years later now we get the real mandarin which is really really cool and it kind of harkens back to who knows if that was intended by marvel i i probably not i think that i don't think they knew that they were going to put him in shang chi shang chi shang chi no is it shang chi or shang chi shang chi Shang Chi. Yeah, I don't think they knew that where they were going to put him, but I'm sure they knew that he, they were going to use him again. I didn't. No, what I meant was that, like, I don't know if it was intended that they had a real Mandarin out there all along. Yeah, I think I'm not sure was, either. I think that was their idea. They'd be like, "Oh, it'd be cool to put this twist in here," and then fans really didn't like it, and they're like, "All right, mm-hmm. this is super easy. Let's just do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually, you know, if they kind of left it be, I don't know, like. If they left it be, it would have been distasteful, but also at the same time, not really because he's not the real. If they didn't address that he wasn't the real Mandarin, then yeah, it would have been distasteful. But this just emphasizes how good Marvel is at like making their old movies better. Like After watching Shang-Chi and learning about the real Mandarin and some of the comments he made throughout this movie, it made how you view Aldrich Killian and Trevor a lot better in, in yeah, Iron Man 3. That's true. Like, especially Trevor, <laughs> especially Trevor. We'll we'll get to him because 
he's he stole the show. Yeah. Spoilers, Spoilers for Chang Chi, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I could record a, a spoiler warning and insert it or something. But yeah, I know like the way Kevin Feige has talked about it now in the Marvel team is that in the past, their reason for doing that twist was that they didn't feel like they could appropriately do it in an Iron Man movie without it coming off as inauthentic and not because a lot of the history of that character, the Mandarin and Shang-Chi's father in the comics is not the Mandarin. They did that for the movies. His father is an evil warlord called Fu Manchu, which again, similar to the Mandarin, is very rooted in some Asian, distasteful Asian stereotypes. Um, yellow feet, yellow fear, which was a big thing back then, which is now frowned upon. So I think that they had this great character who's supposed to be a really powerful um, threat to heroes in the Marvel universe, and now they're like, now we have a better place to introduce this character. So that's their reasoning. Now I like to, I'm probably, I think that fans just didn't like and they're like all right now we have to do this but i'm glad that they did it yeah i think it would have been tough to do the mandarin in an iron man movie because they like to keep iron man movies a little bit more grounded and not like super magical um so i think this was a good place to bring it in i th i mean i loved him i thought it fit really well yeah definitely and actually this movie was pretty magical and mystical too which i was, it not was super mystical i was i was expecting it to be mystical but this was mad mystical it was it really, really. Uh, you were expecting it to be mystical, like just because of the yeah. Ten rings oh, well, the well, yeah, the ten rings. I figured there might be a dragon thrown in there somewhere. Yeah, but it went like super hard. With yeah, the, with the it did. Part. It really went. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, I yeah, wasn't, they really wasn't embraced expecting it. it. But so coming into the movie, like, did you know anything about Shang Chi as a character? Uh, Very little. Mainly just the Mandarin and the Ten Rings. Very little. Mostly the Mandarin and the Ten Rings, and even then, very little. Yeah, I which I like, liked. I liked. I feel like a lot of times I'll go into Marvel movies kind of knowing what exactly what to expect. Um, and I didn't feel that way this time. So I, I liked going in, not really knowing what was coming. It was very refreshing. I feel yeah. like going into the Captain America movies, for example, um, I would always be like, all right, I, this is probably what might happen. Or I know a lot of it th about this character. I feel like Civil War, I knew the entire plot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with With the exception of like maybe endgame and infinity war i feel like towards the end of phase three we were kind of in the dark a lot which was yeah cool. i yeah i feel like black panther for is another example where like i knew i knew the general plot i i was i loved black panther like after coming out of it but i didn't know like that michael b jordan was going to come in and like want the throne and i i like knew that whole struggle was going to happen uh thor ragnarok i knew a lot of the struggle like i knew the grandmaster was in it i knew hulk was going to be in it um, I knew Hela was like the main villain. Like I, I think we got, I, I went in knowing a little bit more of the structure of the movie. This one, I really had no clue. Yeah. And especially even a lot of the characters you you've actually heard of, like before they announced Shang-Chi, I did not know who he was, which is again, it made it all the more refreshing because I was kind of experiencing it authentically for the first time. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel, I have been feeling with the past few Marvel movies, aside from Endgame and infinity war that I go in and I'm like, I kind of know what to expect, but I love being in the dark and being like shocked in your seat in the theater. It's a whole experience, you know? Yeah. And it's nice being introduced to like a bunch of new characters and you never met any of them and actually falling in love with a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, I feel like I liked a lot of the characters from this movie. Mm -hmm. Cause I think maybe if you're familiar, you kind of going, go in with certain expectations of how they're supposed to act, uh, which is kind of a toxic nerd trait is that <laughs> we, we, we all think we know how characters are supposed to act. Um, which some, some, 
we know we know our characters, but we're not going to deny that that's a a toxic nerd trait out there. And uh, going in without knowing the character at all, I feel like is a better experience. I don't know. I fe- I immediately fell in love with a lot of the characters in this movie. Yeah, I feel like it's not not better or worse, but it's just different. It really was refreshing to like go into a Marvel movie really knowing nothing, not knowing any of the characters, and actually getting to like just experience everything going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that stood out the most, I think, though, with this movie and what I was expecting, which we, they fully delivered on, is an amazing martial arts genre. Like, all of the action, everything surrounding the martial arts styles was amazing, so captivating. I feel like it was the best part of the movie, in my opinion. The action in this movie was um, was spectacular. It was awesome. I feel like every Marvel movie, like... They're like, oh, the action is going to be so amazing. Like, look at how cool the like these trailers are. I feel like they nailed the martial arts, especially early on when it was like hand-to-hand combat. Um, I was saying about uh, in our WandaVision review, like, I was like, I wish they didn't go the whole like womp, 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 like shooting beams at each other route. And they went a little bit more like close combat. Um, I love cl- like when they execute close combat so in such an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even the elements in the end when things did get a little bit more bumpy, like the movements and like, I know I've heard some complaints about like how things get a little bit too large scale at the end, but I I felt like they incorporated the martial arts into the, the magic really well. I felt like I was watching like, Oh, and actually well executed avatar, the last airbender, uh, like action sequences towards the end when they were like moving with the water and moving with the wind and with the 10 rings. I feel like, um, I feel like it was awesome. And I feel like they, they executed some of like they, they found interesting ways to execute some of the more like hot over the top portions. Like when the ring at the end, at the end, when the rings are like going back and forth, they like found a good way to execute that. And like yeah. where you, where you visually understand it. Very, very creative way to use the 10 rings because that's completely different from the comics too. Like not only did they, they really made this movie their own. I think they really did something special with, Wen Wu, the Mandarin character, they did something really special with Shang-Chi and they kind of like, they didn't feel like they had to uh, ground themselves too much in the comics. I feel like they combined a lot of different elements, which we'll get into, which really made it something special. Um, what I actually through, through, um, I was talking with someone who works for Marvel, uh, long story, uh, a few days ago, and she actually put it in a really interesting way i I really like the way that she said it um talking about marvel movies and stuff is that marvel likes to think they make movies that are different genres that just happen to have superheroes in them which kind of if you think about it is a really cool way of thinking about it is um like black widow and winter soldier are like spy espionage thrillers shang chi is a martial arts movie um Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, and Ant-Man are heist movies. Like it's a really cool way of thinking about Marvel movies. And I think that's something they do really, really well is that, yeah, they're superhero, big action, lots of CGI, but tonally they're able to like grab onto these genres like martial arts and completely make it their own, which is super cool. I think that sometimes they don't lean into it enough going into different genres. Like for example, another WandaVision example at the end, they kind of leaned into the superhero portion when I, they should have went like the weird, spooky magic route. Um, I Sometimes I wish they leaned into it more. I felt like this movie 
executed it well and still maintained its like superhero identity, but did did execute the martial arts really well. Um, I have heard some complaints that at the end it did become a little bit too over the top and the action kind of fell flat. I didn't really feel that way, but I have heard that complaint. I mean, I I, I won't lie. I think that like when you get to the third act, it became a little um, like Marvel-y, like it was just a, a lot of like a huge CGI fight, which I was expecting more of a family uh, close combat struggle, you know, but I agree. I agree with that. But I meant like the combat with the 10 rings and stuff like that part was still executed really well. Oh yeah. I think it was fantastic. Yeah. The dragon and the big soul sucking guy was a little bit over the top, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting at all, which we, we can get into. Um, yeah. I don't know. So I'm not a martial martial arts expert of any kind but i think watching the way they fought you can tell just how they use different styles like i think the mom um was using like tai chi it seemed like they were definitely doing some form of like tai chi it was not like it was not like you, you watch the Mandarin fight throughout the movie, for example, and he's very firebendery. Like, I feel like there were so many Avatar connections I can make here. He's very fire, like punching and a lot of like hard thrusting and kicking. And that's the way Shang-Chi fought in the beginning. And then when he's learning from his aunt, she's like uh, makes him his hands more open rather than closed and more flowing, like kind of like airbenders. It was really, really cool. I yeah, I, I think uh, I think the um, mom's squad, like the mom, the aunt, they're definitely very airbendery. They actually move things with the air and, and stuff, so they're very airbendery. I agree, um, but yeah, I think I think they did a good job of. Uh, I think it was cool that the mom was able to beat the Mandarin in that scene, and it's like she's the only one who could beat him. And you still don't, I, honestly, at the end, you don't quite get why, but it's kind of. I feel like it's implied that she doesn't like because he's so like aggressive. She was able to like maneuver around it. Um, I think I it's also cool. it's also implied that she has like powers. I think from her dimension. From the, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah, so they, what, they what, move nature around with them. Yeah, literally. I think she was literally had airbending powers. Yeah, I think she pretty much did. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the fights, especially um, the one with uh, Wen Wu versus uh, his wife, and then in the end uh, when they're sort of. Uh, when Shang-Chi is kind of fighting with the dragon against the Dweller in Darkness, it's reminded me very much of the Zuko and Aang uh, dance of dragon, like when they're relearning firebending from the dragons, that it has to be like a dance. It's not a, uh, it's not like aggressive in like thrusting yourself at people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Right? Like, I mean, especially the when Wu ver- versus his wife was very much like they did it in slow motion. It almost looked like yeah, they, they, dancing, did, they were dancing. Yeah. I feel like in that scene you knew that they were like they liked each other. Like you knew it was gonna happen. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, there we go. They're gonna have Shang Chi. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like cheesy, but cheesy in a good way. Like I mm-hmm. I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm like and I think another thing with the martial arts, which they did really well, is they only did it a few times throughout the I feel like it's very easy to go hard on slow motion, but I feel like they only did it a few times and it was tasteful when they did it. Yeah. I feel like it was they, – they also sped it like – I feel like they they kept it fast for a lot of the time too. Um, they really did. The bus I feel scene? like they did a good job of, of keeping it – like keeping that pace of like slowing down when they had to. Um, like I feel like the bus fight is a good example. I'm surprised we haven't talked about the bus fight. I know. Um, like they slowed down at the beginning and then, and then they like speed it up and it's like bam, bam, bam. And it was the, awesome. The bus fight was 
so cool. That's probably yeah. one of my favorite fight scenes of all time. Because like you said, it gets does close combat so well, and they're not afraid to... I feel like they did a lot of fast moving, but it was also not hurting. You know how you could watch fight scenes and sometimes you're like hard to track and you're like, I feel like this is jumping around a lot. I'm trying to mm. follow it. They, he did so many fast movements, but I felt like you were following everything. It flowed so Yeah, well. every move felt like it made sense and they weren't like cutting away and everything. They like actually executed it really well. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they inc- incorporated Katie in a, in a cool way too, where she was like driving the bus. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, so I guess we kind of jumped around a little bit, but maybe let's kind of go back to the beginning. Uh, the movie kind of starts off um, giving a background sort of like presentation on the Mandarin and his history, uh, how he's been alive for thousands of years, found the Ten Rings, and that his story has changed throughout time. You know, some people say he found the Ten Rings in a cave. Some say he found it in a crater um, and that he basically conquered everything on Earth. And when he had nothing left to conquer is when he found Shang-Chi's mother who guards the dimension of Talo and there's supposed to be some, he, he, I think he, at the time he thought there was just like more power behind there. I don't think he knew exactly what was behind there, but that's where you kind of get into the mystical elements here. I mean, what, what did you think of the Mandarin in general, Wen Wu, how they sort of told his history throughout the movie? So I loved him. Uh, I thought he was a good, a good villain. I liked that he was like rooted in family uh, interesting how they went about like kind of giving him a redemption arc throughout the movie. Um, but I did feel like it was a little, as they were kind of explaining history, they had, they had a lot to explain. So they had Wen Wu's whole history to explain. And they also had to explain like his relationship with the mom and like, therefore Shang-Chi and his sister's history. And I did feel like at, I was like a little bit jumpy at the beginning, like the way they were like, they had to kind of go back and explain like, Oh, he gave up the rings but then he brought him back when she passed away and like you weren't real like i guess they also wanted to keep her passing away like a mystery so they couldn't fully explain that portion of it so i felt like they were like trying to go back throughout the movie and explain different parts of the history so i feel like it pieced together a bit oddly but i i you by the end of it you did kind of get all of it um but yeah i feel like we i, I throughout the movie i was like okay wait so what I was trying to like piece together the timeline in my head and it got a little bit confusing and jumpy. I will say yeah, it wasn't, I don't think it was as clear that when he met the mom and decided to settle down that he gave up the 10 rings. I don't yeah. That I feel like they didn't explain why he did that in the first place. Yeah. Um, I guess he just didn't care about conquering anymore. And, and like, did he disband the 10 rings group or no? I'm not, I, I was like I'm, a little bit unclear. That's what I'm wondering because it's, I'm trying to remember. I think it was. And then why like, did the 10 rings kidnap Tony Stark? Because wouldn't that be like, Wow. That's what I'm, I'm trying to piece it together because I think it, the title card said 1996 is when he met uh, his wife. So by the and time the Iron Man was rolls around, he gave, he gave Shang-Chi 10 years to live his life, he said. And what, he was 15? Well, how young was Shang-Chi when his mom passed away? I guess, it, I guess that makes sense that he would be wearing the Ten Rings again during Iron Man because Shang-Chi was like, what, seven? When he when his mother passed away, when his mother passed away, he he picked up the ten rings again, and that's when he started training Shang Chi. Right, and then Shang Chi left when he was fourteen, so he trained from when he was like seven ish till fourteen. So I guess it could add up. Like two, like let's say Shang Chi was born like between nineteen ninety six and two thousand. Then he his mother passed away when he was about seven years old, so it would be between um, like two thousand four and two thousand seven. 
I think that makes sense. And then Iron Man happened in 2008. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. But it was a little bit jumpy. I was like trying to figure it out a little bit during the movie. A little bit. I would have liked... One, yeah. I think they were flashing back to like different time period. I like it wasn't bad because they had to explain it throughout the movie that you can't give everything at the beginning, but they had to explain like the the Mandarin before he met the mother, then the Mandarin while the mother, him and the mother were together and the kids were growing up, then the Mandarin once the mother died. So I think they were like trying to give three different time periods, which they had to, but it kind of felt a little bit like, okay, I'm a little bit confused on what his status is. Yeah, I think I what would have made it a little clearer also, which I was I would have loved to see is they kind of gave you hints of it, you know, when at the end he wants to like burn down this entire village of people, but I would have loved to see him like the 10 rings actually make him more outwardly aggressive and more of a villain. Like I would like to see a little bit more darker elements from him that like oh, it makes sense like the mom was probably like you got to take the 10 rings off if we're going to get married yeah but then one shang chi gets the ten, 10 rings then how do you explain that why is he not more aggressive well if they maybe, like whore crooks him a little bit i feel like that would take away from one shang chi has has him well then i guess maybe not the 10 rings making him evil but i just would have liked to see a little bit more darker moments from him and her just being like like stop with your empire like you're it's time to to start a family you know yeah i think that that they brushed over that quickly too like he spent thousands of years building up this empire and then he kind of just gives it up immediately. And they don't. They also don't give you a good reason why he would ever put the Ten Rings away. Except like, oh, I'm a family man now. Yeah. So I think that that was not really well explained. Can I say, though? Looks like a great dad. That Dance Dance Revolution <laughs> scene. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, that was funny. Um, I, I think uh, one thing that... I'm not sure if it was in the movie. I mean, I was paying attention the entire time, so I I don't think I missed it. But I think it was a missed opportunity to um, not show what was in the trailer is he has this room of all of his screens where all of his cells are around the world from the Ten Rings. And one, the center screen is the footage of the terrorists holding Iron Man hostage in the cave from the beginning. Yeah, of the I think that they didn't, they didn't effectively connect the Ten Rings to Iron Man 1. They connected him more to Iron Man 3, which I got, but like... I feel like it's a cool thing that he, he – why did he kidnap Tony Stark, I guess, to like have him build weapons and build up that portion of the Ten Rings? But I, I don't think that was really that that clear unless – like I guess it didn't have to be because if you watch Iron Man, you see the Ten Rings. But I don't know if that was that clear either. Yeah, I guess they were trying to like – Separate it. Se- yeah, separate it and also be be like we don't – need to grow just because this happened in previous movies doesn't mean we need to focus on it the entire time i think they wanted to focus on shang chi and sort of re- redeem the, the mandarin a little bit yeah but i think it would have made him like a bigger picture villain if they explained that he really started the whole mcu it would have yeah i would have liked that a little more but um i was a little taken aback by how how much how redeemable he he kind of was at certain points you know i was like I yeah i feel like <laughs> he wasn't always consistent like you don't you're not a bad guy then you get redeemed and then you're a bad guy again and then you get redeemed again you know i feel like he like made a bunch of 180s well i actually i don't know if he was like truly redeemed i think he was still like kind of a madman but the only thing that really kept him sane was his wife being around i think he's like not a good person yeah i, I think so too but yeah. she knows that too in the story she's telling shang chi she's like this bad man 
Yeah, you're right. And, but and like, then... that's your dad. <laughs> like that, That's how the whole like movie starts. And she like tells him it's his dad too. It's a little bit weird. Yeah, I, I kind of didn't realize that actually. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but then from there on, you, you like they, it was very much not on the nose the way they were like, this guy's evil. This guy's a horrible person. Like it was very much things surrounding him. Like obviously like when his, in the beginning, he's clearly like destroying countries and stuff and like taking them over and has like the whole menacing get up and everything, which was really cool. And then when his mom, uh, when Shang-Chi's mom, uh, passes away you clearly like see his men like beating him and like forcing him to fight which clearly is very evil but it wasn't a lot of on the nose like hands-on this guy's evil you know which i would have liked a little bit more of in my opinion yeah i think you get the point that he's evil i think it was hard to balance like oh we're gonna redeem him but he's really evil yeah i think i think they 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 had to walk that line but over overall, I think it was a smart choice rather than just making him like a mustache twirling like like. I like that they redeemed the him in the end, and yeah, I like that they made it a family struggle. We we got another daddy issues. Yeah, in the house. I, I mean, so <laughs> many, so many daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you think of? So we learn about the Mandarin. We learn about Tao Lo a little bit, and then we learn that there, I feel like there were a good amount of little twists and stuff here like he sent shang chi to go kill like his first mission after he trained him he sent shang chi to go kill the people who were supposedly responsible for killing uh his mom and then you find out that he did and then you find that he didn't and like you're kind of like seeing different twists through everyone's eyes that his sister runs this big club and everything um what, what did you think of that whole transition of like when he leaves to when Katie kind of finds out he's Shang-Chi and the movie gets going. I feel like it didn't, I like that it didn't waste too much time. It was kind of like, listen, we just got to go. I got to, you you never know, knew about my family, but we got to deal with this and we got to go. Yeah. I think Katie's a real one for, for being like, let's go. I'm coming with you. Um, I think Aquafina really killed it. I thought she was a good choice. Um, but I thought that, yeah, I like that. I like that they didn't waste any time. I kind of thought that he was not going to be as skilled as he was, like, from the get. Uh, I like that they were like, he's already trained. That's it. His He's going to, like, his arc is not him training to be super powerful. Like, he's already trained by, by his dad. Here's his backstory. I kind of like that they didn't have, like, a too much of, like, a training montage early on. And they showed action early on. And then they had, like, towards the end, they had, like, a training montage to be like, now you have to beat your father i like that early on it was more like the bus scene it was like look at how skilled this guy is um let's get him on his journey let's bring his friend his quirky friend with him um and then the whole sister thing too that made that sequence awesome because you see that she's a beast too and and i like that they are like that she taught herself too i thought that was a cool that, that was, was a cool really thing cool. um so like that fight between them was really cool um and they were only able to do it because they gave them like training from the jump pretty much yeah. Um, so I like that. So many layered elements within that family. I feel like all they each had their own sort of fighting style, their own sort of way of uh, being a martial arts master. Like the mom is like a complete badass, like was the only one that could beat the Mandarin. Like Wen Wu was a beast with the tent rings. Like the, the fight scene with him and the mom was so cool. Yeah. When he was just like blasting the rich and she's just like dodging them. Shang-Chi's clearly like learns, knows every form of martial arts, uh, except for the one his mom knew. And then Jia Ling, 
crazy with the I don't know what the rope weapon is called, but it's so it was so cool. I was I loved it. I love yeah. the rope weapon, and she was yeah. so cool. And she was just oh, I love the sister too. Mm-hmm. I love them all. Yeah, but you you bring up a good point. I think like if they did make it so that he was like training to become the Shang Chi throughout the movie, it would have wasted a little time and been like another another like all right, this is an origin story like training. I feel like. It, it was better that they went straight into it because you were able to just immerse yourself more in the, in when they went to China, they saw her club and you were able to include like more winks and more characters. I feel like that the movie did that really well is include a lot of characters that didn't take away or you weren't, but at the same time you weren't like upset that they didn't include enough of them. You know, I was upset that include more of abomination, but, um, yeah, I mean, but I, I I agree, and I think the I think I mean the early action sequences are some of the best. The early action se- sequences are some of the best ones. So I'm happy. Like the, like the bus one's awesome. The um, both the one in the ring and the one in the sisters club outside of the ring, like on the window pane things. That those are both awesome action, action sequences, and like you would not have had that if they weren't already trained. Yeah. The one with and the one right after that too, the one with Death Dealer when uh like the where they're grabbing the knives from each other and he's yeah like, that was awesome. I thought that character was misused. I, he did nothing at the end. Yeah, I think it was just you were another, like what like, this guy is gonna be sick. He looks awesome. I yeah, was, and I was, then they just wasted him. I was expecting a lot more from him, but I think it was just like oh this guy looks cool. Like they gave more time to Sword Hand guy. But it, the thing is, if you make if you give him like a whole purpose, like who is this guy under the mask? Like then you're spending less time making like people like Zhao Ling a badass, you know? I, 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 I get that. I think that they made him a character or maybe he's from the comics, but he they like him. put him in the movies just so you can have that moment where like each of them get a fight at the end. Like the ant fights the mask guy. It's like, Oh, she's fighting the cool mask guy. But mm-hmm. then he ends up doing nothing. You know what I mean? I, I think they wanted to each give him like a purpose, and it was like, okay, sister's gonna get the dragon. Uh, Katie's gonna shoot shoot the arrows, and she's gonna fight the mask dude and like square up with him, which I love that she's. Well, actually, she squared up with the Mandarin at one point too, but that's a whole different story. Zhao Lang or the ant? The ant. She like squares up to fight him, and then he like just keeps walking, and then oh like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. She was like, come at me. I love yeah. that. <laughs> they were, that was, they were really cool. But anyway, we're skipping around. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I mean, I would have liked to see a little more of the abomination, um, obviously, but we're going to get him in She-Hulk. So it's not like I was that, that, like that upset about it. Wong, let me tell you, Wong is rising up there. I mean, he's always been one this of, was, a, a favorite of mine, but this is maybe he's... my favorite. This is maybe my, maybe my favorite Wong showing. Even though he was in so little of it. Yeah, he's just like steals like, every scene he's in. I love it. Yeah, he steals every single scene he's in. I feel like in Doctor Strange, he's like a little bit annoying. He's like the mean librarian at times. He's like a little bit funny. And then he's kind of sidelined and everything else so far. But he was like great in this movie. Yeah, he was he was great. Great a, a great like low key addition, but also big enough that you're mm-hmm. like, all right, Shang Chi's gonna like join the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of get the little winks, which I pointed out to you in the theater. In Jia Ling's club, you see on the lower level fights a guy from Iron Man three, uh, the extremist guy, like yeah. with the fire powers, fighting a Black Widow. Like the girl he's fighting is a Black Widow. Oh, I didn't realize it was a Black Widow. Yeah, 
That's cool. I like that because it's like all these freaks are like all this freak stuff has happened throughout the MCU. Something like there's going to be leftover people who have these powers or have these like abilities that are going to be somewhere. So I like that there's like kind of a fighting ring of all of them. I feel yeah. like it was the Earth version of the Grandmaster's Coliseum. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It, it kind of like a little bit Cantina vibes. Like it was like Marvel's own version of like a Star Wars Cantina, not in a bar sense, but like where you're going to find all these like scum and villainy and stuff. It was it was very much that vibe for me. Yeah, and I like that it was run by the sister, and I think we'll get to the post-credit scenes later, but I think it, like, kind of is a is a stepping stone for the post-credit scene where she, like, already has run, like, this own ring of her own. Let me tell you, for characters that no one ever knew, I mean, like, they, she, she, too, is rising up there. Like, she was one of my favorites coming out of the movie. She was, she was, she was I came out of the movie, it's, like, the first thing I said to you, I was like, the sister was my favorite one. She's so cool. She's like, so cool. I, uh, just from this first movie, I mean almost as good of a sibling dynamic as thor and loki almost i oh, I, I really about that almost i said not doesn't beat it but from it's close from, i don't know <laughs> i feel like them as a duo was i love them together oh i did love them as a duo yeah and i like that they have like a like i feel like thor and loki don't have that much of a complicated past before thor like he just thought he was like everyone just thought loki was like kind of a good guy it seemed like in thor mm-hmm and then he turns into a bad guy. But I feel like this gave like a lot of weight to their relationship of like from from prior to the movie. Like they have a complicated move, uh, a complicated relationship going into the into like the the current timeline of the movie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. Adds too. to the family dynamic. It definitely does. Definitely. Um, then after that, after that whole fight scene, when Wu finds them, which again is another like little hint that he's super powerful. I think when he finds him, they're like, how did you know where we were? And he's like, I always know where my children are. I always knew where yeah. we were, which is like, all right, this guy like is super powerful, but it, it wasn't like, he's not just powerful in a womp way. He's powerful. Cause he's got all these con- little birds. <laughs> I like that. He was like rolling up in like a nice white suit too. He's like a very he was fly. Like, yeah. He's not again. Like they, I think they did a really good job updating him from how he is in the comics. Like very like, mustache trilly with like all the the 10 rings are like rings on his fingers and stuff uh, the the decision to make them bracelets was awesome i hated it at first and i ended up loving it the bracelets were so cool <laughs> yeah so so cool um so we get back to wenwu's compound and he like wants shang chi to take his place uh, which w- again w- was one of the other confusing things where i was like does he want Shang-Chi to like replace him? Like, does he want him to use the 10 rings? Like I was a little confused at that. If he wanted him to succeed him or if he just wanted, maybe him he wanted like, like I, yeah, that was confusing too. Like, is he like, okay, I'm t- it's time for me to put the rings down or is he like, you need to be there in case I lose the 10 rings. But then again, he wouldn't think he's going to lose the 10 rings. It was, that was a little confusing too. Yeah. Maybe um, he just wanted him to be a little assassin for him. Maybe probably. Um, be my little assassin. <laughs> <laughs> Is that from something? That no. Uh, <laughs> sounded like something a grad master would say. Like no, no, no. <laughs> um, and then we get the great conversation, which is our first one of our, not the first, but another wink at Iron Man three, where he kind of like addresses the stuff of the past, where he's introducing himself to Katie, and he's like, you know, names are very important. What's your Chinese name? They, they remind they take you back to who you are and your history. 
And he's like, my, I've had many names throughout history, uh, some of which are not very, I forget what, what he says, but he essentially says something like some of the names I've been given and some of the ways people have talked about me are not, not very, I don't, I, he didn't like it very much. And he was like, oh, I, I forget how he said it. He was like some terrorist uh, years ago, a terrorist tried to use my name. And you know what he'd called me? A chicken dish. Because the Mandarin, his na real name's not the Mandarin. And he's like, and after all that debacle, he made people afraid of the color orange. Because like a Mandarin orange, which I thought was like a great conversation where he was just like, like, who do these people think they are? Like, I'm Wen Wu, like I'm the leader of the Ten Rings. And like, people could just like drag my name through the mud and think that I'm this actor who is Trevor Slattery from Iron Man 3. I kind of didn't love that his name wasn't the Mandarin. He was like mad about it. I feel like what was the whole point of that whole thing from All Hell the King? Like, oh, you stole his name. But like, he didn't. I guess he stole. He stole his mantra. Like the he's the, the Ten Rings the, leader. Like you're mis you're misrepresenting him, you know? Yeah, I didn't love that. I don't know. It was like weird. Like, is he the Mandarin? Is he not the Mandarin? I guess he is because he's the leader of the Ten Rings. But I don't know. It was that was a little weird to me. I like I. I liked it. I mean, I like, don't really, it doesn't take away from this character, but it was a little weird. I think he was just trying to say like when he, in, when they said like you stole his name, it's like he, you're pretending to be one woo, but you're like misrepresenting him and you're like dragging his name through the mud. Like, yeah, no one's allowed to like impersonate the one woo except for himself, you know? Yeah, I guess, but I liked it. I thought it I'll cool. deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then his real motivation, which is where it gets super mystical, is that this whole time he's been hearing his wife talk to him from his from her dimension, which it turns out the thing she was guarding when they first met was a portal to another dimension called Talo. And they're trying to wait for the like the forest to open up so they can get to a path so that they can get in safely, which where I was like, all right, different dimension, like, hold up, like, what is going on here? I, I was a little like, I did not expect this to happen, but I was kind of like, all right, I'm letting myself go with it. And as they got through with it, I was like, okay, this makes more sense. I thought they were literally going into like a Doctor Strange dimension or something. Yeah, I thought they really went went for it with the dimension. Um, I think it got a little bit um, MacGuffin-y at that point. Like it was like, oh, we have the two necklaces and we put them in the dragon and then it shows us the path to the new dimension uh i was like did the mom really expect them to like combine theirs and put them on the dragon's eyes like how would they know to do that um she was like it'll always lead you home i thought like the necklaces themselves were gonna like show them the way i feel like it was unclear how they would use the necklaces to then put it in the dragon's eyes to then get the path but whatever that seems the way it looked was really cool because i so like that cool. all the water came out and i thought that was really cool um a lot of like a lot of imagery with water in the movie mm -hmm. which which was interesting like yeah. the the dragon the great protector ends up I think they water. were using a lot of like the elements around like you know which is really cool again more avatar reference i can make yeah. so many avatar references yeah, yeah. so i i like that scene a little bit i i, I like the look of that scene but i thought it was a little bit like okay wait what just happened um i thought it was definitely like an exposition scene it was like here's Here's where the movie's going, which is fine, um, but it looked really cool. Yeah, I mean, you get like every Marvel movie has its like yeah. Marvel yeah. Marvelisms, yeah. you know. Yeah, but of course. Um, I also feel like I mean, 
unless you have a comment on that scene specifically, I was going to say like the solution to that scene, like them getting put away, like the, their solution was a little bit too easy. I felt like, Oh, that they like broke out of their cell when he was like, yeah, they just broke out and drove with Morris to the, to the, to the d- different dimension. Yeah. I mean, like it, they really played it for comedy, which they get thrown in the cell and, of course, you hear some yelling in the background, and immediately I I knew it was Trevor Slattery. I didn't. I knew it was going to be someone. I don't know how I didn't put it together that it was the OG Mandarin, my boy Trevor. I, I coming into the movie, I was like, if they don't address him or at least just like show him in a passing by moment, like I was like, oh, they could even like make it the opening scene, like the Mandarin like dealing with Trevor and being and maybe killing him or something, but. I don't know. Like I, I loved it. I, I love that scene. Don't get me in my wrong. Seat. I don't know how you didn't. I was like tapping you. I was trying to. I didn't want to tap you. I didn't want it to. Like in the theater. I, I love that scene. I didn't know how I didn't know, but I love that scene. That scene with Trevor and that was one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie. I thought it was hysterical. I thought I thought they really leaned into that reference to Iron Man three, which I liked, but without like being like, oh, this is the guy from Iron Man three, and it it made sense. Um, him and Morris were the best duo of the whole movie. One of the best Marvel duos ever. Uh, when he's like, it, they really like, he's such a good actor. They play up his, how crazy he is, like how funny he is. He's like in one scene in Iron Man 3 and it's not really that funny. And then he's pretty, he's really funny in All Hail the King. Um, and then in this, he's just hysterical. Uh, when they're like, oh my God, what's that? And he's like, oh my God, you could see Morris. I, I thought he was my hallucination. I thought that was so funny. Um, yeah. It makes me want to go back and watch Iron Man 3 now because I feel like I'll view Trevor differently. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do feel like, the whole thing with Morris, how they solve like getting to Talo. I felt like it, that was a little bit too easy. I'm happy they like put Morris in there and had his like duo with Trevor. Like, I love that. So I don't want to like take away from that. But at the same time, it was like, oh, here's this animal that your father only Trevor can travels. And, yeah. Like, not, and only Trevor can understand, which was funny, but I don't mind that. But it was like, how did he come back with the dad? Like, did the dad capture Morris and bring him back at one point? I, that was a little confusing. Like, did he come back with the mom? And then, like, how does he? How is he able to? He just from there, so he knows like the path there, and can they can just drive through it? I mean that that makes sense because he's clearly connected to that dimension because he's like a magical creature, you know. I almost wish they they could. I wish they like went back and had to get their necklaces and then like gave them to Morris and then Morris could bring them there or something like give another step there where it's not just like, Oh, here's this creature and here's how the path there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can agree with that, but that's kind of something that just like, I didn't really, didn't really yeah. take, take me out of the moment. And in, in the moment I was just like laughing cause it was hysterical. You know? Yeah. But I feel I, yeah, I mean that, that seems amazing. I just felt like the, the, the amount of time between, when the dad figures out how to get to Tallow and when the main squad gets to Tallow is like so short. It's like he's been spending his whole life trying to get to Tallow. No, probably knows where Morris is. I guess Morris wouldn't help him, but like they just find this creature and get there before him. I think the the reason that if they didn't do that and they took more time to get to Tallow, then the third act would have been re- it would have suffered a lot. That's because- true. And the second act was the second act was already getting slow, but. Like, you know what you, I mean? It, it was a quick solution. No, yeah, because if you're going to introduce this whole other dimension, you got to like devote enough time to it. Otherwise, it's that would we would have left the theater being like that came out of nowhere. You know? Yeah, but I feel like it can't be too easy to get to either. Yeah, but I would rather that and then have like a more meaty third act, like where you're explaining the history of the dimension and stuff. Then, like, you know, yeah, 
But anyway, but I digress. The scene after that was a great action scene when they were in the car too. Oh, like them just like driving through the forest. Yeah, and they're like fighting. Yeah, like they're like fighting in the back. I think one of the doesn't the sister like get out outside the car and like start fighting for a little bit. That car chase was low key a, a good action sequence. Yeah, I don't remember that. It was I thought they were just driving sequence. through the trees and stuff. No, before the trees, but while they're escaping. The like escape oh, scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Escape yeah. scene was a good one. That was a really cool escape scene. Yeah. Um but they finally get to the to the portal to the dimension. And I I kind of mentioned it before that like, oh, I expected it to be this like Doctor Strange. I think they they're very clever the way Marvel does this is that the same design language that they used for the portal it looked like a sling ring portal it was made it of did. water when mm-hmm. they came out of it which was interesting like I wonder if Doctor Strange and Wong know about Talo which they could I'm sure the ancient one did yeah but she never told she did her job. anything <laughs> <laughs> she did a job she did her research and then told Doctor Strange nothing yeah. um and then all these like magical creep which. Which was kind of cool because the uh, the big lion dogs that are in it are called foo dogs, and you know what they actually are is like you know if you're, um, I don't know, like in Chinatown or if you go in front of a building, there's like those stone lions in front of buildings like that. Like mm-hmm. those are actually they have those oh, all over oh. Chinatown in the in in China. That those, oh, that's, that's cool. what those are meant to be. They reminded me of a mixture of Aslan and Lion Turtles from Avatar. Yes, yeah, they were like my internals. Yeah, one of my I love the the quote where the horse thing like stops in front of the car and Tre- Trevor says something uh, along the lines. He's like, "What's wrong with that horse?" <laughs> Trevor was great, and every every line he had was funny. I was expecting it like you would think that at that point you're like, "All right, they're leaning Sick into him, it too, yeah. too much," but I just loved him the yeah, entire time. I know. And then I feel like once I got to Tallow. Like everyone was training, it was super serious. There was a lot of emotional scenes. They definitely sidelined him for that, which was good. Like I didn't need a quick a quip from him. I feel like actually at that point, once I got to Talo, I feel like they gave Katie. I was expecting them. I think I said to you after the movie, I was expecting them to like Darcy her and like just make her a comic relief character. But once I got to Talo, I feel like she had a lot of emotional scenes. Her training was like cool too. Um, they actually like, made her a character that was part of solving the issue. And I feel like they gave Trevor the comic relief moments and they kind of like took him out of the moments that they didn't need like a quick Marvel typical quip that would like take you out. I feel like they did a yeah. good job of like passing the comic relief torch a little bit to Trevor and actually giving Katie some emotional moments with Shang-Chi and moments with her like trainer and moments with the ant. Yeah. T- to be honest, like very well balanced comedy for Marvel. I feel like none of the jokes really fell flat for me and Katie was one of the best supporting characters I've, I've yeah. seen in a Marvel movie in a while. It's a non-powered one. Yeah, you know? and with getting Aquafina, I thought it was going to be like all comedy yeah. from her, but they actually gave her a lot of great, great scenes, and I feel like she actually like helped prop up the Shang Chi character, and she was like one of the best, one of the best besties Marvel has. Definitely, and yeah, and her and Shang Chi like it's not a love story too, like which yeah. is cool. I was like. Kind of, I didn't know if they were going to go that route, but I'm glad that they didn't. You know, it's refreshing. Yeah, I'm to glad. See I'm glad like, too. I always say you don't need a relationship to be solidified in romance. Yeah. Um, and then another thing, which I want to see what you thought of this is that what did you think of like once they met the ant and everything? Is they started going into even more history of like now this dimension has history of the war with the the dweller in darkness and the great protector dragon. I felt like that could have been shrunk a little 
I don't know about shrunk. Like I think, I think the whole thing with the soul sucker kind of fell a little bit flat for me. And I think that like that kind of that whole history was like a little bit weird because of that for me. And they like really wanted to bring in dragons mm-hmm. and they needed like a evil version. And they also wanted to redeem Wenwu. So they had to like explain, like they had to like weave that into the whole reason for Talo being there when I don't know that that was like needed. I needed like a little bit of like their history, but it was very much like, here's more exposition to drop on you like very late in the game that really makes it like, oh, there's like this big monster over there. <laughs> yeah, and he's like a Doctor Strange villain, apparently. The Dark okay. Darkness. It's like mm-hmm. a fear lord from another dimension, which it seems like they're, I mean, with Wong being in this movie and the Ten Rings and the mystical elements, that Shang-Chi's going to be kind of a, a Doctor Strange crossover guy a little bit. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess I, I see what you mean, is that if you're going to have a huge dragon in it, you kind of need another huge thing to go up against the dragon, you know. Which, like, like you said, people have... have had their complaints with that it, it became a little much um it kind of at in the moment for me i was thinking i'm like do i think this is a lot right now but then i thought about it and it was very much like a, a dragon ball z finale or like an avatar finale where you have like these this just huge battle going on i feel yeah like- it really is like avatar it's a good way to put it i always i one of my complaints with some of the avatar seasons is like like the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender, he kind of turns into this big ocean monster. It gets very over the top. I don't love when they go too full over the top. I don't know that that was like needed. Uh, I think really the main thing was to give Wenwu some type of redemption. Like they needed a big monster to like Wenwu to like sacrifice himself to, you know what I mean? So I think Mm. that was really the goal of it. I think if they could have used a dragon in like a way, because they were talking about earlier in the movie, like embracing like the dragon gives the Talo people like their power. They could have had him like a dragon, like Shang-Chi like speaks to a dragon or like get some type of power from him or something like that. I don't think they needed the dragon to like be in the middle of the fight. I thought that I did think it was a little bit too over the top. I I I love the fight scenes between him and Wenwu though. Shang-Chi and Wenwu. Sick. They were sick. The rings. Oh my God. So, and when, even when, uh, when, when Wu just had the rings and Shang-Chi had like the staff and he was like smacking the rings away from him. Yeah. That was so cool. I feel like that whole last fight sequence was all like awesome. Katie got her moment with the, with shooting the soul sucker, which I didn't love the soul sucker, but when Wu got his moment, when he like gave Shang-Chi the rings, the whole thing with Shang-Chi and the father was awesome. Like when they punch each other, when he punches Shang-Chi into the water. And then I loved when they were like flying with the rings, like they would go boom and like shoot them down and just yeah. fly up yeah and they like come right after it was so cool like i and thought the were, rings were used amazing and they were stepping on the rings at certain points like really cool real like very creative choreography and very yeah creative and i loved like that they were changing colors when they would like switch ownership too like you yeah. knew when they were shiny when they turned like gold mm-hmm. and then he like gave them up back to the father and they were like blue again and then he gave them back to shang chi and then they were like gold again which i wonder why i wonder if that means something because we i mean we're skipping ahead a little bit to the post-credit scene clearly they're important and like kind of giving off this signal power i wonder if they're going to explain that if if that if that means something that maybe the the ten rings have to be wielded by a certain person or something like maybe yeah that was interesting i'm not i'm not sure 
But I feel like I there's did... definitely more they're going to go into, like, that since he's half his mother and half his father, that's something with his mother from that dimension. Like, he's connected to that power of the dragon. Or I feel like that, that something like that is coming. Yeah, I'm not. I really don't know what what was going on with that ownership, but I thought it was just an original way to do it, like that it, they would change colors immediately. But um, it, colors mean a lot in Marvel. Like if you know, if you like, kind of connect the dots of how they use color. Like Wanda's chaos magic is always red, and mm-hmm. red is also the same color as the Reality Stone. Wanda changes reality with her powers, like warps reality. Mm-hmm. Time is always green. Um, like uh, soul sucking powers are like per- like kind of have a purple hue to them like Agatha Harkness mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's the power like the power stone you're stealing power from people um blue blue is usually space and i think like uh the wizards are usually orange and i think go- gold energy is like cosmic power cuz you like co- captain marvel's is gold uh mm-hmm. the eternals in their trailers like um icarus's uh heat vision is 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 gold so i think I don't know if the colors play in the same way here, but it's interesting to think to think about. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could could be. Could be. Um, but yeah, I, I just love that they were like changing colors and like when he like circles them and they turn gold for the first time. That was so cool. It was so cool. Um, you know, what was one of my other favorite things about this portion of the movie is that they introduce another material that's not vibranium for once is now they have dragon scales which now oh, yeah it, you don't have to be like all right now shang chi needs a vibranium suit you know yeah like he's yeah, got yeah. The dragon scale suit which and is cool. it makes it very like game of thronesy skyrim like dragon scales are always the most powerful thing so yeah. i like that too it, they it was, really leaned into the whole mythical thing here and the and dragons and all the mythical creatures that were around which is cool because like he has his own self-contained history now in sort of in the vein of Black Panther, mm-hmm. where I feel like now he clearly, according to post credit scene, is going to join the Avengers. But he has his own history that's been built, that's been carved out so well in this first movie that now they can sort of go into that more mm-hmm. in the sequels. You know, I'm excited to see more of that whole side of the MCU. Agreed. Yeah. Um. Do you want to talk post credit scenes or you want to go to the report card? Let's talk post credit scenes first and then we'll get to the report card because they feed into the report card for sure. Okay. Um, also, um, before we get to post credit scenes, I did love uh, – I, I, was this part of the mid credit scene when Wong gra- grabs them from the restaurant or was that the last scene of the movie? Was that in the mid credit scene when he's in the restaurant with the friend? Because I feel like I actually loved the scene when they were in the restaurant explaining to the friend and then like Wong comes and grabs them. Yeah, I forget if that was in the movie or if that was the mid credit scene. They step through the portal and then the, it cuts to black. And then that's the first post credit scene is there. Okay. Like that's yeah. what I thought. Right. I actually love the scene with the friend. I thought it was so funny because like she doesn't believe them, but also like it could happen in that world. So she's like, I guess it could happen, but like come on. And then like Wong just comes in and their jaw drops after like it's mirroring the scene when she was like telling them they have to do something with their lives. I, I love that scene. Yeah. I hated the friend. <laughs> <laughs> she's so annoying stop judging i I wonder like i guess the general public knows about wizards apparently yeah i think so yeah okay i think they do now it's interesting to think about like because in wandavision they would like talking about the battle in in endgame i guess the general public like knows what really knows what happened kind of yeah i'm not really sure the extent of like if they know that there was wizards there but i I assume that's like not really a secret i don't know who knows but post credit scenes let's go 
Yeah. So they step through the portal. Uh, Wong comes out and asks for Shang-Chi. And he asks if he has the rings. Like, specifically asks, do you have the rings? And goes with him to the Sanctum. And they're on a Avengers uh, Zoom call with Bruce Banner and Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. Um, which, Bruce Banner is not smart Hulk. He's not Hulk anymore. Which, I know. Uh, he's, he's still in the sling. He's just Bruce Banner now, which... What what do you what what's going on with the Hulk? What, I don't what? know. They got to explain that. That really doesn't make any sense. Um, I, I, I like meant to watch a YouTube video on it, and I was like, honestly, I'm I'm just gonna let them explain it because they better they they have something they're doing. Yeah, She Hulk. I mean, I guess they're gonna explain it then. Um, I don't know. They they just jump back and forth with them too much. A little bit. I don't know why they didn't just leave them Hulk for this one. Too much CGI. I don't know. I guess, but it, it was it was actually kind of funny. When she was like, Bruce has my number. And like dips down, he's like, I don't have her number. Did he say that? <laughs> yeah. That's really Yeah, funny. he was like, she does this. I don't have her number. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Uh, um, so how much time has passed? Because Captain Marvel's got a full head of hair, but Bruce Banner's still in a sling. Who knows? Yeah. I really don't know. Um, it, it It's not really defined. It's clearly after the blip. But I have no idea where it relates to like Spider-Man Far From Home or uh, the Eternals or WandaVision or any anything. WandaVision takes place two weeks after Endgame. Far From Home is supposed to be the summer after Endgame. So I beats me. I think Endgame takes place in May. And then Spider-Man Far From Home and WandaVision are happening around the same time. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier is like six months after for sure. And Loki is kind of all over the place because it's happening all at once. So I think that Shang-Chi is happening either right before Spider-Man Far From Home because you see in the in the No Way Home trailer, Wong is like going off into a portal mm. with suitcases. So some people think he's going off to fight the abomination. No, but, I think I think that probably happens after this because they're in the they're in the sanctum in the in this movie and it's not snowy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good but, point. Yeah. I, I think this is close after Endgame, and this could probably be one of those situations where, like, earlier in Marvel, like, it's like Nick Fury's big week, like, Thor won, um, Captain America, like, Cap- Nick Fury finding Captain America, and, um, like, the end Hulk. of, yeah, like, they all happen, like, the same week. So I think it could be something like that where they all happen around the same time. I don't think it's really going to matter that much, honestly. Um, probably not, yeah. but uh, let's... Do you have any guesses of who the Ten Rings are signaling that they're saying? They're sending out some cosmic signal that Doctor Strange has no records of. And uh, I think Captain it's someone Marvel we haven't record. met yet. I think they're sending up like an Adam Warlock type thing. Like, oh, here we might do something with them in the future, but it might be a while. I think it's one of those things. I think, well, there's a theory that it it's signaling the Celestials because the Eternals movie is coming up and there's ten Eternals, one for each ring, that, and it's gold cosmic energy, like I was saying before. But I don't, I don't think they're going to start explaining it in the Eternals, though. I think in the comics, the Ten Rings uh, come from the McLuhans, which are a race of space dragons, uh, which is a little crazy. But like, I feel like it could be signaling some sort of like dragon uh, race. There's a villain called Fin Fang Foom, who's like this huge dragon. Yeah, that could that could definitely. I think it might be something like in the Shang Chi sequels that is kind of addressed. Yeah, not so much like a big Marvel. Avengers level. I don't think it's like Galactus or anything. Yeah, like no, that. I don't think so either. No. All right. What about a second post credit scene? Your girl, Jalen. Oh my girl, I loved it. It gave me, um, it gave me Yelena Belova vibes. Um, and I hope they meet up and 
it's like 10 rings and black widows either on the same time or, or against each other um but i think really i think she's probably going to be in like the shang chi sequel to be honest but i, I love, love that like my lady got her whole squad uh, i love that it's like a little bit villainous um that she told shang chi that she was going to disband them and then she's like now we got work to do um i like I that hope, I, I, I think hope she's gonna be like villain. an anti-hero a little bit yeah I've actually our friend Puneet was saying he which is actually a great theory he's like oh do you think that um that uh, Val is going to recruit her for yeah that could, I, that could be which would be really cool yeah <laughs> be so cool. or if there's she would a have everyone under her thumb yeah but I think it might be a, a Shang-Chi sequel thing sequel or if there's a 10 rings uh Disney plus show I honestly wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind either but I don't want them to make everything into a Disney plus show I'd rather them be weaved into like the the universe rather than get their own show yeah but anyway right. it's report card time let's see the report so card. for those of you for those of you not familiar with the popcorn house report card it is a report card with six categories pacing visuals acting music story and heart and uh jake and i both rate each of those categories out of five and then at the end we do a little formula calculation and it gives us a percentage out of 100 mm-hmm. uh, so let's get right to it Pacing is the first one out of five, Jakey. Um, I'm going to go four. I think that I did have some pacing issues where, like you said, like the, in the middle of the second act, I was like, all right, they're like kind of introducing a lot and jumping around to different exposition points, but it wasn't something that took me completely out of the movie. Like I wasn't looking at my watch or like having that moment where I was like, oh, I'm in a movie theater right now, you know? I was yeah. still very much invested. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 3.75 because I do feel like it definitely jumped around like with the history and stuff. Um, and I do feel like the second act was a little bit like a little bit slower and then, but also like skipped plot points like I was saying with the them getting to Tallow. Um, so I, I think pacing was not like my favorite part of this movie. I think it had a lot to explain and it did a really good job of explaining like a full story in a short period of time. But I, it did like take me out of it at times where it was like, wait a second, what is going on? What is this guy's deal? I don't really get what's going on. And there was a lot of exposition points so they had to like explain a lot, but I, it's still not, not, they got a lot done. So 3.75 okay. visuals is next. All right. So question, are we including like the martial arts choreography in visuals? Yeah then I'm going to go 4.75. I feel like the action was amazing. Uh, Even the CGI, like maybe, I mean, you could clearly tell a dragon and the dweller in darkness is fake, but it didn't like look like cartoonish or video gamey to me. It all looked like pretty cool. And I just think, as we've said, the martial arts was incredible, fantastic. Probably my favorite action of the MCU, aside from Winter Soldier, maybe on par with it. I'm also going to give it a 4.75. The only reason I wouldn't give it a perfect score is because it got like a little bit over the top towards the end, kind of like we said, but it's still like the action was so good. Probably my favorite Marvel action yet. So I'll I'll give it a 4.75 also. Same reasons as you. We're on the same wavelength. (laughs) Um, Acting. Um, Honestly, 4.75, to be honest. I felt like no one was out of character or had weird dialogue. Or like I said, the jokes did not fall flat. I fell in love with all of the characters, even though as we've talked throughout this episode, uh, we would have liked to see uh, things tweaked a little bit. I thought that the acting was fantastic. Simu Leo is like 
so charismatic as the character. I can't wait to see him show up again. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four point. I might give it a. I'll give it a four point seven five. I almost gave it a five, but oh, wow. I, there wasn't any Oscar worthy acting. But it, I mean, I guess there there might have been. But everything was great. Simu Liu was awesome. I think he like played the funny guy, but also the like he played to the emotional moments as well. Um, and he he killed it with the action. And Aquafina, I thought she was just going to be a comic relief character. They actually gave her some emotional things to do, which was awesome. Um, yeah. The sister was great. The aunt was low-key one of my favorites, too. She's a big actress, too. Yeah, she was yeah. awesome. Like, you actually, like, got some great moments between her. I feel like she really, like, gave the sister and the and um, Shang-Chi, like, the, the, some of their emotional moments. So I thought she was great, too. And, of course, Wen Wu was, was perfect. And I like he was suave, but also villainous. So yeah. I, I agree. 4.75. And a great, great glow up for Simu Liu, too. Have you seen, like, the thing where he tweeted years ago? He's like, all right, Marvel, how about time for an Asian-American superhero? Can we talk about Shang-Chi? And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. not known for anything. And then now he's, like, a huge star, which yeah. I love that. Uh, music is next. So music, I love the music in the trailers. And I was expecting it to be, like, I, I, re I did like the music in the movie, but I expected it to be, like, on par with the trailers which when i watched the trailer i was like oh this is good music like really blending different styles and genres which uh, was really cool it wasn't anything that i was like came out of the movie like wow this is amazing um i'll give it a 3.75 yeah i'll give it a four i agree with you um there was like one or two moments where i was like that was awesome but it wasn't like throughout the whole movie that i was like the music is like really the strong point here so i'll give it a four okay story um, I'll give story a four. And why is that? I think it was one of the better origin stories of the Marvel universe. I think you're kind of restricted in certain terms uh, when you're doing an origin story. And I think that they, and they didn't go with a lot of the normal tropes as we touched on like training montages and this and that. And they really dove in and uh, went f head first into something new that they were terraforming themselves and even people who were familiar with it, like were surprised by the changes they made. You know, mm -hmm. I think it was as much as it kind of went over the top at certain points. I think they really went full, full force into it. And I, I respect that. I'm going to give it a 4.25. Um, like I said, there were some times where it kind of got confusing, but I think ultimately like when the story was fully formed, it came together to be a really good origin story. Um, it wasn't my favorite of the Marvel universe, but it was, it was definitely something, something great. And I, I did really enjoy it and it, it nailed the characters really well. Last category is heart. I, I'm going to repeat my, my move from the suicide squad and, uh, give this movie its second five, the popcorn heist report card, second score of a five. Okay. I'll, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm going to give it a 5, but it's, give me your reasoning. I think that the people who were behind this movie, both Marvel, the directors, Simu Liu, clearly had so much love for the history of this character, the history of the Mandarin and the history of the Asian Asian cultures that they derive from. I mean, it feels weird to say we're two white guys talking about this like we clearly don't know as much as uh, other people of Asian descent that were watching, but you could just feel that there was so much heart and love behind bringing this character to life and making it something unique in their own. So I, I was, re I really felt that when watching the movie. All right. I'll give it a 4.75. I feel like it did have a lot of heart. I don't know if it was like, 
I don't know if it's five worthy. I'm going to give it a 4.75, but I agree with you. It was like, it really, it hit the nail on the head. You got that family aspect and like you loved all the characters at the end and they gave all the characters emotional things to do. So mm-hmm. I'll give it a 4.75. All right. Okay. What's a big reveal? Uh, 87.5%. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't higher. Hmm. I feel like that's accurate, though. I feel like it is accurate. In the grand scheme of the MCU, like, I would rate Winter Soldier and Guardians probably, like, high 90s. And I I haven't put this in my ranking yet, though, so. We'll have to update the ranking. Yeah, we definitely will. I think it's accurate. I think it's accurate, too. Yeah. So, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, really like the movie. If you haven't seen it, go definitely go see it because it's just so good and it deserves uh, seats in the theater because it's definitely not going to be on Disney Plus it. for a while. Eat, get some popcorn. Yes. Definitely worth it for the popcorn. But this will be on our Instagram. Join the heist, everyone. Join the heist.